Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I've got a couple of really special people here with me this morning, um, or whenever you're watching. This could be the evening, afternoon, whatever it may be. Um, if you don't know me, I am, I'm Jeremy, one of the pastors here at New Story with our students and our creative team. Um, and uh, yeah, who are you guys? Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Tell us what you do, where you're from, all that stuff. Well, my name is um, Pastor Greg Ely. I am the campus pastor for Colonial Presbyterian Church. Been in Kansas City since 09. Um, pastored in the city church, Pacific Baptist Church. And uh, 2017, God told me to do something different and um, ended up being the campus pastor at Colonial Presbyterian Church. Nice, nice. My name is Mark Potter. I'm uh, his associate pastor at the Colonial Presbyterian Church, and I actually grew up in that church. And so I've been there for my whole life, but I've been on pastoral staff for the last five years. Okay, okay. And what uh, what, what do you do? What do you do there, Mark? Uh, a lot of what I do is You're trying uh, to ask that same question. <laughs> <laughs> Just to let you know, Mark, you're 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 on the cutting block. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, a lot of what I do is community outreach focused. Um, also do a lot of congregational care some preaching and assisting worship, really whatever needs to be done. Uh, but uh, we also have this group called uh, Kingdom Oneness, which is focused on racial healing at our church. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And we'll, we'll get into that here here in just a second. Um, but yeah, Greg, you have you have an interesting background coming from a, a Baptist church into, into a Presbyterian church, coming from a, a black Baptist church into a primarily white Presbyterian yeah. church. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Well, it was... Um, it was it was a um, it was an enlightening experience, but uh, honestly, you know, growing up, my my father's a Baptist um, pastor, you know, and all my mentors mentors have been, um, you know, Baptist Black Baptist pastors, and so um, having pastored in the inner city church as lead pastor for you know eight years, um, and then feeling like God was starting to make that transition for me, and you know, since I've been to Kansas City, I felt like God asked me and brought me to Kansas City to be a bridge builder, you know, and um, just be a friend to the city. So my first few years of just going around town, having coffee and lunches with people, learning people, yeah. building relationships. And so um, at the end of my tenure uh, at my previous church, I just began to pray like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, um, you know, I just just had this, this sense over me. I'm a black Baptist church pastor. I'm a black Baptist church pastor. That's what I do. That's what my mentors do. That's all I've been taught, you know, and through that praying process, I felt like God said, you're not a black Baptist church pastor. You're my son. And I can do with you wherever I want to, um, which opened up the door for me to end up at Colonial. And um, it was just the right time. They were looking for someone to kind of help reach that community. I was looking for what God was um, wanting to bring me. And uh, we ended up, you know, finding each other at that same time. So then I had to <clears throat> walk into a space that I was unfamiliar with, you know, being the pastor of an all-black um, church in a um, smaller church in context um, than the uh, Colonial Presbyterian Church, learning the ins and outs. Um, and then being the only black person, I was the first black pastor hired um, by Colonial Presbyterian Church, first black pastor hired in our presbytery, which is our regional in the churches. And so um, going from being in a room of leaders that are, you know, predominantly black to being the only black person in the leadership room, you know, was, um, you know, was something that I had to, to, I had to have a lot of confidence. I had to come in um, knowing that this is where God had me. And so um, that was, that was very helpful. Just yeah. really having that, um, that, that push and that drive from the Lord within saying, I brought you here, yeah. you know, so that helped. Yeah, dude, that's, that's fantastic. Um, now it, it if uh, 
colonial sounds familiar, it's because um, we uh, went to our, we encouraged uh, our church to go to your guys's um, uh, Good Friday service, uh, which was yeah. in incredible. I really, really enjoyed that. But if that sounds familiar, this is kind of the the correlation and how how I got connected with these two. Um, but Mark, I want you you shared a story a little bit ago to get us into kind of what what we're talking about today, or why why I asked you to come talk with us today. Um, your story of going to Memphis, yeah. um, kind of how that led to to what this day is. Yeah, uh, four or five years ago, you know, we were at a conference in Memphis with our denomination. And I had the opportunity to tour the National Civil Rights Museum, which is there in the infamous Lorraine Motel, which was the same motel that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Uh, and as I'm touring the motel, you know, I come to this display of what was called Jim Crow Today. And on the display were different maps of various cities that had you know, depicted based on housing, you know, the segregation that still exists today. And I was looking at the different cities and I saw major cities up there. And then I came to the fourth city and it was, it struck me because it was my city. <laughs> it was Kansas city. And it yeah. had a map of, you know, the, the red and the blue and just the divide that was still present today. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I left and didn't think too much about it. But then I realized going back and looking back on my Facebook post that I had toured that on June 19th, which <laughs> happens to be Juneteenth, yeah. which at the time I had no idea what, it was, what yeah. that was or what that represented. I mean, I, I had heard about it, yeah. but I didn't know it was on June 19th or even what it symbolized. Yeah. Or even that you were there. The, the, right. The, that's just a crazy, irony. Yeah. <laughs> crazy correlation. Um, yeah. So what, what, what is June, Juneteenth? Obviously it's June 19th. What's the significance of it? Either you can... um, just a you know, little history of June, yeah. Juneteenth. Um, in January of uh, 1863, um, Abraham Lincoln signed into law the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, which was to free the slaves. Um, and so many of the slaves um, at that time, free slaves, celebrated that. But then there was a, a large group of slaves in the southern states, um, and specifically Texas, you know, that were not freed, who did not get this message until 1865 when uh, Gordon Granger, um, the uh, Union General, came and basically to Galveston and read this um, this declaration that hey um, these people are, are freed and they are to be given rights of um, you know just like any other freed man um, but basically the southern states just ignored it yeah. you know and um, it it um, for basically two years right? for basically for, two years yeah. from 1863 to June of uh, 1860 of 1865 over, over two years, yeah, yeah. yeah over two years and and basically almost refused to adhere to it until um, army came and said hey you got to adhere to this law now um, which immediately that followed following year in 1866 celebrations broke out of course and you know um, some people ask why Juneteenth why not January you know of, of 1863 and it's important because for those who were enslaved and, and those afterwards being free until everybody was free um, then there really is no um, no emancipation there's no proclamation until everybody's free and that didn't happen until June 19th of 1865. Jeez. That <laughs> You, you kind of think back through history, and it's it's incredible to think that for two and a half years, these people were um, by law free and they had no idea. Yeah. Or maybe they'd heard about it, but it wasn't lived out where they were at. Absolutely. Um, it, yeah. And so you said celebrations began the the year following, um, mm -hmm. just uh, 1866 Six. it would have been. Mm -hmm. um, celebrations started. And 
for me, and I know for, for many people maybe listening right now, um, we've never heard of it until a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so how, how was, how has this been celebrated? What did that look like? You yeah. said celebrations began. What, what's it? Well, yeah. like for me, you know, when, um, you know, the news was out and people were celebrating about, you know, Juneteenth being voted into a holiday. Oh yeah. You know, last year it became federal <laughs> yeah. holiday, right? Um, you know, many of us were like, uh, we've been celebrating this holiday my whole <laughs> life. You know, I don't ever remember a year not celebrating, yeah. you know, Juneteenth. My first memories were being um, in a large country field where people drove in cars surrounding, you know, um, just plots of land where we'd, you know, makeshift a baseball diamond, you know, for softball games. And, you know, the uncles get there early to hammer together um, a stage where uh, bands came on and people sang and um, to see young people. It was like um, it was like an Easter morning. People would go shopping the day before. You get your brand new pair of shoes. You got your hair done. You know, all the grandmas are perfecting that peach cobbler and that pound cake. And, you know, all the all the dads are, are, are flipping those ribs and smoking them all night because you want to have the bragging rights when you get there the next day. And, you know, everybody's talking noise. Domino tables are hitting. I mean, yeah. it was just it's an, it was an electric atmosphere um, growing up, you know, and then, you know, parades, you know, going to the Juneteenth parade, watching these cars come down and and seeing um, for those of us, you know, who are growing up in, in predominantly inner city, seeing um, people of influence that look like you, seeing people in, you know, not just the athlete or the rapper on TV, but seeing doctors and lawyers and business owners um, and car dealership owners driving uh, down the street with their suits on and, you know, being able to see that the black experience, though at times seemed like it was a rough uh, plot to have, um, having this as an opportunity to celebrate yeah. that we do have something to bring to the table yeah yeah that's that's huge man uh i love that you're able that that last that last part of like even though there's there's a heavy plight yeah. um that, that we face as black people in this country this is something that we can we can pause that for a moment and we can we can celebrate um and I, I mean from what you're describing it is a huge spectacle and i know it wasn't unique to your like city this was across the nation and um i didn't even know that happened yeah you know yeah. um it's it's absolutely wild and so Juneteenth, you celebrated it um, in, in the black church uh, for forever. And then you come to Colonial Presbyterian. What was what was that like there? I mean, had did, did they yeah. know about it? Did they celebrate? What, yeah, what well, I mean, you know, coming to Colonial, there were a, a couple of stepping stones as far as, you know, um, the uh, black experience that we had to get to um, one of them being February, <laughs> you know, uh, Black History Month. And, you know, unless you have been in the black community for the, for the most part, um, these are these are uh, celebration opportunities that you are not um, you're not, you know, not forced, but you don't have to address because they're not in front of you. Um, whereas, you know, when February came and then we have a black pastor now, we have black members kind of coming in. It's like, why don't we say anything, you know, in February? And so so what's February? I think people knew it was Black History Month, per se, but not how significant it was to some of us. Um, and so then in moving into that space of, of Juneteenth and saying, hey, this is something that means a lot to me. Um, one of the things I like to say about Colonial is by being the first black pastor that was hired there, that if nothing else, I put a face on the black experience, you know, for my white brothers and sisters at Colonial, which I love them. I have no doubt in my mind that anybody at Colonial would, you know, give their life for me and my family. I have no doubt of that in my mind. Um, but most of it now is just a learning experience of what's important to me, you know, which is, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, Mark is on the team. And 
um, he, the Lord put this in his heart a long time ago, you know, to um, be a part of this work. So yeah. that's been very helpful also. Yeah. So yeah, place in your heart a long time ago. What, what obviously I think being in Memphis sparked that maybe before, uh, what, what's been your kind of experience through? Yeah. Um, a lot of it is because the, the neighborhood surrounding our church is, uh, fairly diverse, but our church, again, it, we were asking the question, Hey, if our church were to leave this area, would anyone notice or care? Or would it be a good thing or a bad thing? Because we did have, you know, uh, 10 years or 12 years ago, there was this question of, you know, hey, if we change denominations, uh, are we going to lose our land? And then it became, is that even relevant? I mean, you know, of course we would care as being in the church, but would the neighborhood care? And so trying to build bridges out into the neighborhood, you know, via the school district primarily and uh, the poverty neighborhood that just sat, you know, half a mile east of us uh, that wasn't represented within our congregation. You know, how do we get to know them and to be able to identify what are some of the needs and assets in the community that we can support? And uh, that's how it started for me. So showing up to urban young life, you know, not knowing anyone, but just saying, Hey, I'm here, I'm available. Uh, you know, I, I like to play basketball just like you do and building those relationships and then inviting people to come into our church, but also, uh, more or less inviting ourselves <laughs> to, to be part of the neighborhood as well. Yes. Yeah, so Mark was actually, um, you know, through that process, um, uh, organization, you know, me coming to to Colonial was not my first experience, you know, with Colonial. Uh, there was a relationship that was, um, you know, begin there years back um, because the church I was a part of, Paseo and Colonial partnered together to do, you know, work at Southeast High School. We actually partnered together to um, for um, to start this foundation, this organization called um, the Co-op. And the purpose of the co-op was to uh, specifically our church at the time to create a better quality of life for those within walking distance of the church that I was pastor of at the time. And um, that included um, asset based community development. It involved us um, um, buying houses and refurbishing them and involved us um, um, taking families of, of men who were incarcerated and who had felonies and getting them into home ownership, you know, and teaching them how to own, own homes. And and from that, you know, we had a class that we um, provided at the um, seminary where Mark is attending. And Mark took that class and had a project, you know, from that class of um, um Collective, uh, impact. collective impact exactly which led him to that you know that uh, that um that project that area uh, of need there in the colonial um so that when i came into the scene there was already a relationship that was made that was built there um so it was it was just kind of building on what was already founded and and i was you said you you brought a um kind of a face to black experience to this church um <coughs> and one of the one of the cooler stories that um we we talked about before is that Juneteenth wasn't kind of the only thing that has now become um, uh, or, or you brought uh, light to. Uh, you you guys partnered with um, Palestine Baptist Church mm -hmm. this this last year. Uh, tell us a little about that because it's such a, a neat story. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, we've been a part of a few efforts of unity here in the city, um, one of them being Unite KC, which intentionally bringing churches together. Um, and for us, Palestine, you know, uh, Palestine Baptist Church in the uh, inner city of, of uh, Kansas City and the Colonial Presbyterian Church coming together and trying to find ways to partner of things that we were already doing. And so um, Palestine, uh, I began to tell our leadership, hey, why don't we find an opportunity to share with Palestine? You know, they have watch night service coming up, you know, and the leadership at Colonial is like, watch what? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> what is you that? know what is that you know it's that new year's eve party no don't say party you know <laughs> this is a watch night service yeah and um Begin to share that the watch night service was the service that began in 1862. You know, December 31st, 1862, um, um, slaves gathered around, you know, uh, dinner tables and, you know, fields and in churches and praying, waiting for the strike of midnight of January the 1st, 1863, where the Emancipation Proclamation would go into law. And so it was a night of celebration that happened, you know, before, you know, Juneteenth itself came two years later. But that night itself was the beginning of that celebration. And to be able to share that uh, with Colonial and to be able to celebrate that along with Palestine was a wonderful occasion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I love it. The the and the the image of these these uh, like the the black churches and all these people just gathered around waiting for the clock to strike midnight. Yeah, and where we celebrate like, hey, we're gonna go nuts. We're gonna kiss somebody because it's midnight, <laughs> and they're wait. You know, yeah. um, it it brings a whole different meaning. So yeah, I thought I think it's such a neat neat story of of introducing the watch service and, and partnering in that way. Um, now you you've shared ways that uh, uh, the, the church celebrated that you grew up. What are what are some ways, uh, whether it be white churches, white people? How can we commemorate Juneteenth alongside yeah. um, uh, and and really just remember w- what this is Absolutely. for people in our nation? You know, I think I think um, a great example of that needs to start in the church. You know, um, if the church we are saying that we are uh, the body of Christ, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that um, as Jesus prayed in, in, in John chapter 17, that I pray that they are one as we are one. Like we preach that. We say we live that. But that means that I'm not only your, your brother here in these four walls, but I'm your brother outside on the street. I'm your brother Monday through Saturday. Um, I'm your brother in the workplace. Um, so that means I want to know about you. I want to know what what makes you tick. I want to know what makes you excited. Um, that being the case, you should want to know the same thing about me. You know what makes me tick? What makes me tick is celebrating, you know, June 19th. Make, what makes me tick is is having an opportunity to to dance in the streets, to celebrate the history of uh, of people who worked hard to get to where they were. So I advise the church to like to, you know, go read a book. There's millions of YouTube videos out there about Juneteenth itself. Um, go, you know, to, to movies, sit down with your kids, you know, and learn. Sit down with some uh, people of color, you know, either in your church, in your neighborhood, and um, and, and celebrate along with them. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of celebrations going on in Kansas City. Find one and attend it. You know, and if you know what to do, I promise you, if you go to a black <laughs> uh, celebration of Juneteenth and you're a white person, they will hand you a plate and tell you to pig out <laughs> along with the rest of us. You are more than welcome. Right. I, I think that's incredible. And you, you mentioned Unite KC. Yeah. Um, um, that's that's kind of how we we got connected, and I've been able to get connected with other other uh, pastors and churches in the area. Um, one thing that is coming up that that Mark you'd mentioned is the Walk for Unity on the on the ninth of July. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, would you agree? That's a great opportunity Absolutely. for it, it's not on Juneteenth, right? But it it is it you're still. Uh, you're still there's still movement right um, to do that. Can you explain what the walk for unity well, is? Well, I'd like for Mark to kind of talk about even you know it walk happens on truce. Like, like what's the significance yeah. of, of that the truce? Yeah, uh, a couple <laughs> of years ago we even had an event not with Unite KC necessarily, but it was called Pray on Truce. Mm-hmm. You know, and just we yeah. just linked arms and uh, prayed the whole length of of truce. And cars, you know, were going up and down and honking and support. And everything and to me it was it showed solidarity right it was a okay we're both you know 
on the east side of Troost arm in arm, and we both have the same God that we're praying to. We both want the same thing, and that is to break down those walls that you know culture and society and, and to an extent we have built uh, those walls of hostility, as it talks about in Ephesians, that Christ has broken down, that we can now uh, continue to break down together and be able to restore that which, you know, Satan means for evil, but God redeems for his good. Absolutely. And, and so what the, the walk on um, um, the walk of unity is about um, Unite KC itself begin as a um, an effort to build covenants in our city for positivity, for unity. Kansas City is known for covenants that divide. You know, um, Mark mentioned about, you know, truce and how Kansas City was known for the division um, that it had um, with truce. Uh, and that is written in the covenants, the documents of homeowners. To this day, that wording is still in those documents, um, which is, you know, unenforceable now, but because of, you know, the, the answer of why they had removed it is because of time and the money it would cost to change the documents. So a lot of that wording still remains in there. So there's those covenants of divide. Unite KC seeks to bring covenants of unity. Um, and so the walk for unity along truce, um, bringing churches of different denominations and different um, cultural backgrounds together is um, the purpose of it is to find people that don't look like you, they don't have the same background as you to walk alongside them, learn about them, um, and then leave that place um, committing to do more and building relationships. Yeah, because that that's that's the key thing. I, I, we in in 21st century America, we're so used to um, instant gratification, yeah. quick fixes, fast, right? Uh, racial reconciliation, big things like this don't come quickly, no. and they come through primarily relationship, which Absolutely. is what Unite KC is built towards, which is what all like. The walk for unity is is about is Absolutely. about uh, not just walking to show solidarity. It's to to intentionally talk with people, create an opportunity to come together and build build relationships. Um, and that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see at New Story. That's what you guys want to yeah. see at Colonial. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, <coughs> through through relationship. Yeah, and one of the things that we're doing together. at Colonial is um, so we started offering classes. Um, you know, we offered the Be the Bridge class, which is a curriculum you can find online. Um, we did a class uh, using Oneness Embrace, the book by Dr. Tony Evans, as a basis for that. Currently, we're about to begin a class called Undivided, um, which is a class specifically on building relationships and, and racial unity. Um, and in, in the purpose of those classes are to provide opportunities for people to step into that space. Um, and, you know, one of the things I like to tell people is that you have to create an atmosphere um, where people feel safe to share um, an atmosphere where I like to say the, the the conversation that you normally have in the car on the way home, you know, when the black and white people are in the room and everyone's slapping hands and singing Kumbaya and enjoying each other's presence, you know, and then the white people get in the car and they say, man, did you really think what he said was right? And the black people get in the car and say, I can't believe that he's, you know, so when are we yeah. going to start having those conversations right, in a safe right. room to say, you know what, what you said, I understand your heart, but that was offensive. This is the way you could have said that. Or, you know what, I was trying my best to love on you, but I saw you got offended. What was a better way for me to come, you know, to you and ask for that suggestion or solution? So create in that room of uh, that atmosphere of, yeah. of, of safety and space. Yeah. 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 Those, those are, those are fantastic. What's the, the, the one coming up called? Undivided. Undivided. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is that curriculum you guys have developed or is that something you've. No, uh, undivided is actually a curriculum that is promoted by um, the NAM. 
the North American Mission Board yeah, yeah. Um, that is put together by a group of pastors that uh, sat around the table and begin to have a discussion and say, how can we take this and, and uh, create this biblical conversation to our churches mm-hmm. of, of um, you know, predominantly black and predominantly white churches and have an opportunity to come around the table, talk through scripture, talk mm-hmm. through our experiences and build relationships. Yeah, that's huge. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for just sitting down with me for a yeah. little bit here. Um, it, it means the world that you would uh, take time out of your busy day, um, busy weeks to, yeah. to come here and just share uh, with with, you know, another another predominantly white church um, about the significance of, of what today is. And yeah. I pray that we can all begin to take ne- next steps, like identify what our next step is of, of just going across maybe some of those lines, get, be willing to get a little bit uncomfortable um, for, for the sake of. Uh, bringing about the justice of the king, making this place look as much like heaven as possible. Amen. Amen. So um, thank you guys so much. Thank you for having us.